back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. And you know, I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission now to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh yeah, and keto mac and cheese. Mac and cheese! <laughs> and as I understand it, you are currently working on the world's best mac and cheese ever. Yeah, that's what I'm doing today, as a matter of fact. Well, I'm Carrie Brown, and I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. Yep. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression, along with bipolar 2 disorder in my case, and both of us feeling better than we ever have before. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> feeling much better. <laughs> and hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Now, we don't give out any medical advice because, well, we're not doctors. Yeah, we just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. On this podcast, we share our recipes and any science we find in the show notes. I love sharing recipes that will help you on your keto journey. So let's start podcast number 183, Losing 300 Pounds with Mike Gorman. pounds holy cow yeah no kidding but before we get to this amazing interview with mike let's explain in plain english what a ketogenic diet is sure that's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose and the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day have a moderate amount of protein one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass and all our energy comes from fat. Fat? Yep. Plate fat, body fat. All the fat. Fat, fat, fat. <laughs> if you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. So, Carrie, what's new with you? What have you been doing this week? Well, I have been learning very important life lessons about boundary setting and self-care and things like that. Wow. And I've also been watching the two latest additions to the Brown household grow and roar around and be adorable and be crazy. And it's super, super nice having five little hearts beating in my office now instead of three. Yeah, and it, it sounds like they're a little feisty right now, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you can hear some clatter and what sounds like a herd of elephants in the background, that is Priscilla and Ermintrude having their Friday morning fun. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of miss having cats around the house, but also I, I like not having the responsibility of pets. So, yeah, but you, ha you, you, you have, you have humans, right? Anytime I need a cat fix, I'll just come over to your house. You're always welcome. I got a story for you. Okay. So we had a cat uh, in, in a previous life with a previous wife. Uh, we had a cat and uh, our friends came over for dinner and these friends do not like cats. And that's one of the reasons why they didn't come over for dinner all that often. And they told us this and I said, but our kitty's so cute. You know, what's, it's not going to be a problem. Well, my friend George, th this cat was a little kitten and it literally walked up his back. <laughs> Gotta like get attention was, somehow. Like it was climbing a mountain. Just kick, kick, kick. And he goes, Gah! <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things where you, where you come up to like your friend's house and they have a big dog and the dog is looking at you like menacing and threatening and growling at you. And they're like, ah, just bash his head in don't worry about it and the dog just takes your leg off <laughs> yeah exactly it's like they animals can sense your fear of them and they they act use accordingly it for, yeah so getting back to your boundary thing you, i know you're not going to share the details but 
But, you know, family is an F word. (laughs) (laughs) And friends can be magical. Yeah, true. So, you know the saying, you can't pick your family, but you can always pick your friends. You can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Anyway, so I've had a very interesting week. What about you, Mr. Franklin? Well, as you said in the intro, I am putting the finishing touches on version two of the Bazoodles cookbook, which took longer than I expected. And and, and mac and cheese is my uh, the thing I'm putting together today. For, you know, I've been actually testing this recipe, and it's very hard to get the consistency of cheese right, uh, the cheese sauce right, so that it doesn't break. You know, when you, when you cook it, because we don't have the emulsifying effects of flour and cornstarch and all that stuff. We have to use um, trisodium citrate or a thickener like konjac powder or or that kind of thing. Konjac flour is your best keto thickening friend. Yeah. So anyway, I'm experimenting with a couple different ways to make it. And I also found that if I use, for the noodles themselves, a third of a cup of bazoodle batter, whereas I normally use a, ha- a quarter cup, they have a bit more chew to them and they still taste like bazoodles. So that's really good for mac and cheese. And it's also good for tuna, mac, salad, and cold, cold pasta salads where you need a little thicker, uh, you know, you need a little more bite. A friend of mine, after I introduced her to the magic that is konjac flour started calling it Eye of Newt because it is pretty magical. It is pretty magical. That's true. Oh, uh, one other thing I want to call out. Richard Morris just posted a link to this in, uh, article, and we'll, we'll post it up here. This is in The Age, and it's an Australian uh, magazine. So this is an Australian um, uh, story. Why full fat is okay if you're healthy but reduced is better if you're not. The Heart Foundation recommend, this is the Australian Heart Foundation, now recommends full-fat milk, cheese, and yogurt, or reduced-fat options as part of its updated dietary advice, released yesterday. Yay! That would have been the 21st, August 21st. This moves away from earlier advice that recommended only reduced-fat dairy when it comes to heart health. We are getting there. Slowly but surely we're getting there. And boy, howdy, do we love and miss that Richard Morris. And Richard, when he posted this, says, and this is Richard's comment, this is how the giant nutritional ship of experts changes its advice slowly to avoid the stigma of having been wrong. In the 80s, it was cholesterol is bad, don't eat eggs. In the 2000s, it was cholesterol is good and bad. (laughs) saturated fat is associated with an increase in LDL, so don't eat saturated fat. Now it is bad cholesterol, or LDL, is sometimes bad if you're overweight, limit to low-fat dairy. The fact is that saturated fat consumption has been observed to be uncorrelated, non-correlation means non-causation, with heart disease, in 19 large studies, including the PURE study, with a quarter of a million subjects in 18 nations. The emperor has no clothes but clown shoes. Wow. (laughs) But, and he says, but we will see them slowly change their advice until in about 20 years' time, a high-fat, low-carb diet will be seen to be heart-healthy, and they will have always have been against sugar in the diet. And they will claim their advice was always correct, and improved only in the nuance. But you know, as long as we get to the end point, yeah. it's all good. Yeah, I suppose uh, we want the dietary guidelines to be changed. That's what we want. But it is kind of funny how they have to do it so slowly that nobody notices. Absolutely, yeah. but we are moving in the right direction. and We are. We are collectively helping the world become healthier, so... Yay. Yay, yay, yay. So, Carrie, let's give away a Two Keto Dudes coffee mug to a lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.twoketo.com. Let's do it. Who is this week's winner, Carl? Today's winner is Randall A. Ferguson. Yay, Randall. Yay. 
And Randall wins a coffee mug just for being a member of the fan club. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get your own online at gear.2keto.com. Yes, go do it. Okay, it's time for me to read a letter. Oh, there's a piece of mail, Carl. There's a piece of mail, Carrie. (laughs) Are you going to read it or would you like me to read it? No, I'm going to read it. It's actually not a mail. Um, Actually, what I just read from Richard was more like a mail. But this is uh, a post in the ketogenic forum forum.2keto.com, in the newbies section, and it's an oldie but a goodie. We love those. Yeah, this is from 2016, I think, and it's from Larry Lustig, good friend of ours from New York City, and the subject is the entire ketogenic diet in one sentence. And here's the sentence. Replace the carbohydrates you eat with fat. That, in a nutshell, is the ketogenic diet. People seem to have an inherent need to make simple things difficult. That's true of keto eating, too. Yep, there's some nuance to eating ketogenically, but the basics of the ketogenic diet are simple, and the only essential rule is the one above. Eliminate carbohydrates, replace with fat. There it is, right there. Almost everyone who does that will see most of the benefits of a ketogenic diet without worrying about things like precise protein levels, what the best fats are, whether tofu is good to eat, or whether a cashew is a nut or not. (laughs) And anyone who fails to take that single step is not going to reap the benefits of a ketogenic diet, regardless of whether they adjust their protein levels precisely, carry a list of legumes around in their pocket, pee on sticks from morning to night, buy a ketone meter, or exercise. If you want to start keto and you're confused, do that one thing. Eliminate carbs from your diet and use fat as your fuel. Do it for two or three or four months. Do nothing else. Well, except if you're diabetic, measure, measuring your blood glucose frequently is a good idea. You will almost certainly see results. Then, when you're comfortable with the lifestyle and only if you're interested in getting deeper into it, or if you experience a stall in losing weight, you can investigate the details. How do you do it? Before you eat anything, take out your phone, open Google, and search for some food nutrition, where some food is the food you're going to eat. Find out how many carbohydrates are in 100 grams of that food. Think of how many grams you will eat. Do the math to figure out how many grams of carbs you will eat if you eat that food. Is that number more than four or five? You don't want to eat that food. Is it two or less? You can eat a few portions of that food each day. The founders of this group recommend that you limit carbs to 20 grams per day. That'd be us. That'd be us. So keep a running total of carbohydrates consumed and stop if you reach 20. Of course, that's going to take a lot of food off the table. Anything that comes up with more than four or so grams of carbs in a serving. And so you'll be hungry. It is not enough to simply cut those carbohydrate-rich foods. You need to replace the calories. Otherwise, you won't last long eating ketogenically. So look for foods rich in fat. Again, before eating a food, Google its nutrition. Does it have lots of grams of fat? That's good. Yes, I know that's a hard thing to conceive of. What about protein? Isn't that critical? Nope, not yet. Whatever level of protein you've been eating so far has been maintaining your lean body mass. Just keep eating about as much protein as you have been. Later, when you've lost body fat... You can do all the complicated calculations to figure out your optimum protein intake, something, by the way, that experts do not agree on. It's simple. One rule. Results almost guaranteed. Ignore the noise. Focus on the carbs. Do it today. Keep calm. And keto on. Yeah, Larry. Absolutely brilliant. uh, Yes. 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 We read that on the show, uh, you know, way back when, but I think... It's, it's kind of like a little back-to-basics day. The number one driver of ketosis is absence of carbohydrates. And you can't just cut carbs. You have to add fat to your diet. So just start there and worry about the minutia later. That's right. Well, Carrie, I'm very happy to have as our guest today Mr. Mike Gorman. And I came across Mike on Twitter I believe Nina Teicholz was tweeting his story. He's got a remarkable story. We're just going to introduce him and 
Let him tell us. Hi, Mike. Hey there. How's it going? It's pretty good. You're uh, pretty close to us. You're in Providence, Rhode Island, right? Yes, yes. Not too far away. New Englanders. New Englanders. Mm. How did, did you clean out your gutters and put up the storm windows last year? <laughs> well, luckily someone does that for me, but we got to take care of it, you know. Are you on a coal hog diet? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Coal uh, hogs. That's just that would be disconcerting. Those yeah. clams. They're a little they're a little monstrous. They're Big a little ass monstrous. Clams. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Good and times. I've only been here five minutes. So I have no idea what you're all talking about. <laughs> mm. Oh, it's a Rhode Island culture. You know? You gotta put yeah. up your gut is G U D D I Z. Clean out oh, your yeah. gut is your Storm Windows, S-T-A-W-M, Storm Windows, W-I-N-D-I-Z. We're always worried that another blizzard is coming after we got we got zonked in 78. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been, what, 30, almost 40 years now? It's been 40 years, yeah. It We're, has. We, every time it snows, we worry that that's going to happen. Well, we came so. pretty close to the blizzard of 78 a couple of times, maybe in the last few years. We came pretty yeah. close. But close, close. Nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So tell us your story, Mike. You uh, are less than half the man you used to be. Yes, yes. Well, I'm. Um, well, it was. A, I guess to, to go all the way back, I've been big. I've been overweight, severely overweight, most of my life. Um, at my heaviest, I was um, over five hundred pounds. I was five hundred and forty pounds, wow. and I was in that range for a good five or six years. Um, I, I lost weight and got down to uh, 210 pounds in 2013, primarily using a, a combination of um, a paleo diet and a low carb diet. Nothing, nothing I, I would identify as keto at that point. Um, more just kind of avoiding the more carby vegetables. Um, yeah, and I um, magnificently, I guess you could say, crashed and burned that year. Um, I hit my goal weight, which was 210 pounds. I wanted to hit that for my 40th birthday, and I did it. Mm -hmm. um, I was very excited about that. And then six months later, I was 480 pounds again. What? <gasps> yeah. yeah. I um, fell off the rails and fell off the rails hard. Um, wow. I, I, I definitely have a, have an issue with food addiction um, that has, has you know kind of plagued me my whole life and yeah. obsession. And I fell deep back into it, um, kind of let it clearly get out of control. Um, pe people love, I, I think, in the fitness sphere, you know, one of the bumper sticker sayings is always, you know, you didn't gain the weight overnight. You're not going to lose it overnight. Um, at that point, I was literally gaining weight overnight and it was coming back so rapidly that it became like this, this boulder rolling down a hill that I, I could not find a way to control um, and honestly, at points probably didn't want to control because I was so lost in, in the, the addiction at that point. Um, and so I returned to the high 400s again and stayed there for a few years. Um, I always kind of had kept an eye on what was going on in the fitness and health spheres and with a keen interest towards lower carb diets and paleo and primal and all of those whole foods type things. And keto kept pop popping up on my radar. And I, it was 2017. I discovered um, Jimmy Moore's book Keto Clarity and also Vinny Tortorich's um, Fitness Confidential. Yeah. And I also had come to a point in my life where I had just literally outgrown my truck. Um, I had a small pickup truck and had to get a new car because there was no way to move the seat or anything anymore. I was it was not safe for me to drive it anymore because of my size. Wow. Um, I couldn't turn the wheel basically. Um, and, you know, we talk about growing, outgrowing pants and shirts and I was outgrowing cars and, yeah. um, still wasn't necessarily making a change at that point. I, I obviously got a different car, but, right. um, had some things happen with my family where for the first time in my 40 something years, I realized that my life had more to do with just me and what I wanted to eat. Um, my, my parents were, were taking on guardianship of some infants and, um, my dad talked to me about needing help and he wasn't doing it to guilt me or anything along in those lines or say, you know, you're not really going to be around much longer. Um, 
but that was the thought that immediately came into my head was they need me. And if I keep on this path that I'm on, I'm not going to be here because I had really resigned myself to just dying fat. Um, wow. I, I hadn't really, I, I thought I had given it all my all and nothing was going to change. And I, I had this kind of basically sobering moment with myself where I was like, what are you doing? Why are you accept? You need, you can't just accept this from your life. You have to, there's more, um, mm. you have to fight. And at that point I decided that was February of 2017. I decided I was going to give keto a go. And I did, I was 470 pounds. The first time I weighed myself, um, for that, what I consider a go round. Um, and as of this week, I am 217 pounds. Well done. That's amazing. How long is thank you? How long have you kept it off? Um, well, I'm still kind of in a in a process of of, of trying to lose a little more. Um, but I've been, uh, like I said, it's it's been two and a half years that I've been been on this journey. Wow. So, how tall are you, Mike? I'm five eleven. Exactly my height. And I'm just curious. At the start of that six months, where you put all that weight back on overnight was there something that precipitated was there some stressor was there some emotional thing was was there something that kind of triggered you to just get off the path you had been on so successfully uh well i think i think it was a combination of a couple things one i my behave to get my my weight down and keep the weight coming off and being off at that point I think I had started entered into some disordered patterns of eating. Mm. Um, I was fasting before people were talking about fasting and wasn't approaching it with the right mentality or uh, proper preparation for my body or anything along those lines. Yeah. Like wasn't looking at electrolytes or anything along those lines. Um, I was more just doing alternate day fasting to restrict calories. And then on the days that I was eating, I wasn't increasing my calories, you know, to keep my metabolism going. I was, I was still restricting. So I I think my body had been through this period of severe restriction. So once I opened the floodgates, it wanted to hold on to everything that I I put into it. Um, Hormones are powerful things. This is a cautionary tale to people that, you know, they think, People are just, you know, lazy or, you know, oh, they let themselves go or whatever. But mm-hmm. you, you very much, it sounds like you weren't in control of it. Oh, I, it, I wasn't steering. I, I, it, it's interesting because I, I remember what happened. I had actually gone on a vacation for my 40th birthday and um, followed the plan that I was on very well on that vacation and flying home. Uh, I actually ate something off that plan in the airport. Um, it was the Arby's at the Baltimore airport. It's yeah. a place that I've had a downfall many times, actually. Uh, <laughs> I avoid that airport now. Um, and totally, I, I, I actually plan my flight so I don't go through there. Um, hmm. But I, I got home and because I had eaten, you know, I had not I had been off grains for probably two years at that point. Right. Um, and I ate bread. So the next day I wasn't feeling that great. I had to go back to work and I felt sick at work. So I left work early and um, decided to stop at Whole Foods to pick up. Literally, I was going to pick up chicken and broccoli like that was, you know, one of the, my primary forms of sustenance at that point. Homemade paleo mayo and chicken and broccoli was pretty much all I was eating a lot of times. And um I convinced myself walking around Whole Foods that I deserved a cheat meal because I had been so good on vacation. And by the time I left Whole Foods, I had convinced myself that I didn't just deserve one cheat meal. I deserved a cheat night. And so Mm -hmm. I had hit McDonald's on the drive home. By the time I got home, um, less than probably 10, 15 minutes later, I decided to take the weekend off. Hmm. Um, By the time the weekend ended, it was going to be, I was adjusting the way I was approaching my plan and I was going to follow my diet Monday through Friday and take the weekends off completely forever was what I had decided. Hmm. And probably by the middle of that week, I just had thrown it all out the, out the window. Screw it. Um, yeah. it was a, yeah, it was a cascade. It was a cascade that I, I think really was brought on by reintroducing all those hyper palatable foods back into my life and like not putting any kind of thought. I, the thing I like to, to, to reiterate, not reiterate or iterate to people, I guess, um, 
is I, I worked primarily on, on losing weight in that journey. Um, I didn't do anything at all to think about where my mindset was at, what I was, how I was handling myself. And what I didn't realize was like, I had defined myself by my weight for so long that I was the big guy. That's who I was. That when I wasn't that person anymore, I had no idea who I was. Interesting. And so that, I, that I hit this point. an identity crisis. Completely, completely. And I, I hit this point where I didn't know who I was. I, I didn't know my body anymore. When your body goes from 500 pounds to 200 pounds, yeah. the, the physics of your body change. I'm, I'm dealing with that now still, but I, I think I'm more conscious of it. But then I, I was just more terrified by not knowing who I was and where I was going and what I was doing. And so I retreated into the old behaviors and I let, I let the, the addict I thought I had chained up mm. back out. What a story. Holy mm. crap. I mean, and, and I can I can hear people nodding along. I can I can see them with my mind's eye just, you know, um being in that situation. I mean, not necessarily putting on all that weight, but um right. cer- certainly crashing and burning. I mean, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take many carbs, right? Mm-hmm. To to get the the feeling, oh, that's what hunger is again you know it's satisfying the hunger urge that comes with carb cravings oh, is, is kind of like an itch you know mm-hmm. it's like poison ivy and when you don't have it it's great because you're not you're not itching but <laughs> but you know when you have it it's like uh, you just feel you have to scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch mm. and it's it's uh, that's a great way to put it that's a great way to put it yeah I mean, I've, of course, I've, I've, you know, I've had cheat meals along the way. Mm-hmm. I've been able to stop them, but, it, it, but it, it, it just hormones are very, very powerful stuff, and it's like, it's like playing with fire. Mm. I can't. I yeah. Wow. I, I'm Ooh. curious what what you are going to take from that experience so that it doesn't happen again. I'm trying to figure out from your story if there was like some defining moment it sounds like when mm-hmm. you decided to go through the mcdonald's drive-through was when this un- unleashed this fury of like but everything changed your freaking mindset, fast food your, man i, I just <laughs> oh. your mindset everything just went to hell in a handbasket in that moment and i'm i'm curious if you have a strategy or if sure. you think that there's a possibility that that would happen again or if you knew what the trigger was or what what are your plans for staying where you are sure well there's a, there's a couple things i i think one um i i knew going into approaching this again that because i was i was literally when i say that i accepted that i was dying i was most likely dying um I was undiagnosed diabetic. Um, I had severe right. was was starting to develop severe neuropathy in my feet that I still deal with residuals from today. Wow. Um, I had scarring and leaking sores on my legs. Um, my mobility was completely impaired. I could I had to sleep sitting up. Um, I also you know tangentially to all of this over the years basically you know being a bigger a very a very much bigger person developed a severe fear of doctors. Um, so I ab- avoided. Uh, medicine for a long time, the medical people. Is that because um, and, everything was about your weight or they were mean to you or no? what was that uh, about? Mostly, sure. It had to do with um, my weight and knowing that they would put a focus on that. Um, and also I, I, I wasn't a dumb person. Like I, I knew what the symptoms I was manifesting meant. Sure. And I was terrified for them to tell me what it meant. Right. Got it. Got it. I, you know, to hear it officially. And I actually had an experience in 2017, you know, in my new kind of diet in on the keto plan uh, where I was hospitalized with pneumonia. I had no choice but to go to the hospital and I had to face all those fears very rapidly. Um, yeah. But this time around, um, I realized that I needed to work on not just the, my physicality, but my mindset. Mm. And part of that inv- involved um, some short-term counseling where I did some planning with a counselor. Um, and then also just trying to stay conscious of more of how, not just 
how food was affecting me physically, but how I was being affected emotionally by the experience of going through it um, and reaching out to people. And I, I think I have I have a pretty solid presence on Instagram. And that's where I, I turned to for accountability, because when I went through that that initial weight loss journey in, in 2012, 2013, I had a Facebook group that I started to track my journey and, and kind of blog in. And it had gotten pretty popular. And then I obviously it it also crashed, had to crash and burn because I had to basically stop posting and um, hide. And I, I was very open with friends and family on that that journey. And I didn't want to disappoint them. Like one of the one of the things that happened to me when I hit 210 pounds, my, the night of my 40th birthday, I had a big party um, and it was one the first time a lot of people had seen me in a year or more. Um, so there was a lot of people talking to me about what I had done and the transformation I had made. And the common thread was, thank God you did this because we thought you were going to die. Yeah. And it's not something people had ever said to me before. Right. And that kind of weighed heavily on my mind going into this journey in 2017, where I was like, I know these people all think I'm going to die. I, I, I'm not ready to face them, if that makes sense. I'm not ready to kind of put my face to them. So I put my face to Instagram. I already was on Instagram. Um, I had an account that I considered to be a bit of a freak show at that point where it was more about me sharing my gluttonous adventures than anything else. And I decided instead of starting a new page to turn it into my keto journey and uh, started looking to connect with the community on there and, and build accountability and, and build bonds with people. And um, so what was different about your, your keto uh, process than your previous, you know, which you called a paleo sort of low carb process. What do you do differently? What did you do differently the second time around? Uh, well, I, I still kind of, I, I think going paleo, which, you know, if you, you know, have explored that at all, it's about, you know, sourcing of ingredients a lot of times and eliminating grains and specific additives and processing of food. So that, that kind of education stayed with me, uh, in terms of that, those feelings about how I, I, I approach food, but it, it was really realizing reading into about, you know, the idea that a ketogenic approach to eating would help with hunger hormones and regulating my appetite, because that's what I always struggled with. I feel like that first weight loss journey, I white knuckled my way through most of it. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to find something that would set me free from that, from that, severe burning appetite yeah you're fighting your body it, it, mm -hmm. i i'm have recollections of doing this before going keto as well and and tim noakes told us quite frankly that uh you know getting control of your health is a, an issue of hunger and the foods that most people just conveniently pick up don't help mm -hmm. <laughs> oh completely yeah so I'm curious, Mike, um, you, 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 you talked a few minutes ago about, you know, the people around you and, and at your birthday, they were saying things out loud that they hadn't said to you before. When, when you were in that six month where everything kind of went sideways and you were putting on weight like overnight, looking back on it, is there things that you wish the people around you had come out and said or come out and done at that point to help you instead of just kind of sitting there going, you know, mm. is there – so for people who are listening who may have someone who's in a similar position to you, is there something that you wish the people around you had done that maybe our listeners could do to help support other people that might be struggling like you were? That that's such a good question, and and it's it's a question where I wish, I wish I could say, if they had just said X, Y, or Z, this would have helped. Um, I'm honestly not sure there is anything anyone could have done. I, I isolated myself on purpose at yeah. that point. Mm -hmm. I I hid my I literally hid myself from people for months. Um, I pulled away from social engagements. I made excuses to even not go to some family gatherings until it got to a point that I realized I couldn't keep doing that. And I had to kind of step out of the shadows again. Um, I, I, I honest, so I, I don't know what would have happened if someone had said something to me. Uh, I know what happened in the past when I was at my heaviest before that diet attempt. Um, I had a very good friend confront me and basically say, I, I can't watch you 
I can't watch you kill yourself with food anymore. So I need to know that you're either going to help yourself or I have to leave. And I, I told him to leave. Um, you know, I, I, I regret that, but that's exactly what happened in that moment. And I don't, I don't know. I would have been any different that time, to be honest with you. I don't know. Wow. So is there anything you could say to people who are trying to support someone who is struggling in a similar way to you? Is there some, adv- I mean, and, and, you know, I've had this question a lot with my bipolar when, when people say to me, you know, what should the people around you have done? What would have been helpful to you? Did you want them to reach out? Did you not? Like, what should people who are in the supportive role do to help support you when you're, you know, in a manic phase or when you're in the depressive phase or in your case, when you're in this kind of tsunami mm. of hormones and, and wonky mindset? I I think. A couple things that would jump out for me would be, I think listening is really important. Um, I think if if the person makes it clear that this is a, a journey that they're they're struggling on, like, and you know, and I I made it clear to people I was I struggled to get to where I was, um, to not just because I think what happened was I hit that goal weight and people were like, he did it, C- congratulations, you know, you won the marathon, right? It's over Let's now. All- it's it's over. Let's move on. Right. Um, I I think if anyone had stayed in touch on that same level, um, that that might have helped. I think someone just checking in and saying, "Hey, how is it going? You know, I know you hit your goal, but how are things going now?" Because no one did that. Uh, yeah. I I I think that would have forced me to at least have to face up to the fact that you know things weren't going that great. It's just called being a real friend. Right. Exactly. Like, and, yeah. and I'm not saying my friends and family don't care and that they're not real, you know, they're not the real people. But I, I think, I think we just wait and those issues are so touchy that we know that people push us away when we confront them about them. So we worry yeah. that even showing support is confrontational. Yeah, it's, it's just hard. It's, you it know, I remember way back years ago when I was in the grip of, of bipolar, I remember times where I would be like sitting alone, having pushed everyone away. I would be sitting alone going, please, I can't reach out to you. I cannot. I just don't have the capacity to reach out. Please, somebody call me, anybody, please. You know, mm. you know and so I just wondered if that was a similar thing for you. And and had had my folks, had the people around me, had I, when I was not in the grip of a, of a mental breakdown, if I'd have told them, in advance, okay, if I disappear, please reach out to me, please just text yeah. me mm. or, or set up some like, if you text me, I promise I will respond, something like that. Because I remember being in, in that situation where I was just sitting at home desperately trying to to overcome this thing and being incapable and I was just desperately hoping that someone, anybody would just text me well, we didn't have text oh, back then, sure. or call me, or or something. But of course, they didn't because I hadn't. They didn't know what to do, and right. and uh, most of them didn't even know that there was a problem. And so I just wondered how that was for you, and and what we can do to help people who are in your your a similar situation to you. Well, what do you do, Mike? Now, when you see people who are uh, clearly metabolically deranged and mm. and probably don't understand what it feels like to not be hungry all the time, what do you do? You actually approach people and say, you know, how do you do it? Other than social media, I mean, sure. if you see somebody in your life, do you talk to them about um, you know what you did and maybe how they can help themselves? I, I, I think I don't I don't go at them directly and say, I know what you're going through, you know, because I know I think, you know, sometimes we take that as dismissive um, yeah. or an attack. I, I think what I try to do is is not just what one of the things that I, I've tried to do is um, get more open with what um, is going on for me. I through social media, yes, and and even I, I think Facebook is more of a familial friend communi- community. Community, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I have a lot of great friends from from Instagram that I've met in real life now and have become you know family to me um, and are my support system. But I I try to sh- I share the good and the bad. Like this week specifically, like 
before we were recording, Carrie, you said it, you know, it's been one heck of a week. And I was oh like, you're not kidding because I, I, I've been on this, this keto journey for over two years. And, and, uh, Monday of this week was my first slip up, um, oh, okay. in terms of, of overeating on keto food. Like my, I've, I've over, I've overate on keto food before in the past on this journey, but since October of last year, I started working with a coach in October uh, because I wanted to get some more support in my life, yeah. knowing that I was heading towards the end of this journey and with that fear of, of what happened last time happening again. So, I, so I wanted smart. some support. So, so smart. Like I wanted someone who's, and it's something we've been talking about a lot, you know, just in terms of like my mindset for approaching what comes next and building that out. And mm. um, so since the, I started working with that coach, um, Monday was the first time that I overate on keto food, um, since we started working together in October and it wasn't anything wild or insane. It wasn't like I, I ate, you know, 5,000 calories. I probably ate a total grand total of 300, 400 extra calories. Um, but the bigger challenge for me was that it happened and that I did it emotionally and that it wasn't something that I allowed myself. I didn't say I'm making a rational choice to do this. I mm. just did it. Yeah. And so that kind of beat me up a little bit and I was letting it beat me up and, uh, um, worked through that and worked with my coach and worked with friends and support and kind of talked it out. And really, I, I, I wasn't going to share all of that on, on my account. And I did because I wanted people to know that because I, I sometimes I'll get a lot of DMS from people that say, you make it look so easy. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't like, do you look at everything that I post? Like I post when I'm having a bad day. So I try to sometimes make those bad days louder for people. So they know that they happen. Yeah. Um, and then I came to yesterday and after kind of processing all of those events, like I just had yesterday, I was like, I'm exhausted. Like I'm, I'm mentally exhausted at this, that this has gone for, that I've been on this journey for so long and it's not over yet. And my journey is never going to end. And that, that crushing realization that like there, there are things I'll be fighting for my entire life that I knew were there, but it was more like it all sank in. It's interesting, Mike, because I, then I had written down about 10 minutes ago, I'd, I'd written down my next question, which was, do you ever have those days where you're just like, I just want to be able to eat whatever I want and and not like turn into a 450 pounds like I'm so right. frustrated I just have to count everything or I have to always do this and this is the rest of my yes. life and do you ever have though and here you are saying you're having that day you know you've had that day this week where you just yes. you're, you're reminded that like this is forever and yep. And, and how do you, how does that affect you and, and how do you deal with that? And that, that's an excellent question. Cause that's really something. And, and it's funny because not only was that some deep discussions I've had with my coach this week, but also, um, I recently started a podcast, um, that's about sharing the stories of men that deal with weight issues specifically. And oh, cool. one of the get one, one of the guests I've got dropping on Sunday's episode is someone who has lost over 300 pounds using keto. And he's now built his life to the point where he can make a decision when he's on vacation to go completely off keto for a day or two mm. and come back and knows how his body, especially, you know, when you have lost as much weight as we have, like at this point, you know, I'm over 300 pounds down from my heaviest. I can swing a massive amount of weight if I'm holding water, like, mm. and he deals with the same thing. And he's built a mindset where it doesn't destroy him anymore to see the scale go up seven pounds because he decided to eat something. Right. Um, and I, I had, I spent a lot of time listening to him talk. Well, obviously as a good host, I want to listen. Um, but also I was listening and kind of taking notes in my head of, okay, this is where I want to get to. I want to get to that point where my life isn't because I, I, I do track pretty tightly right now, just because I'm at that, that point in my journey where it's, we're just trying to, you know, I'm, I'm working through kind of the, the end stages and we do it in a, in a way that I think is smart and, and don't stay in a, at a severe deficit for long and things along those lines. But, um, we, we've talked about how going forward, it's got to become something that is a sustainable life for me. And I know that tracking every gram of food isn't a sustainable thing for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Like I, it's, it's just not something I want to do. It's not even that I, I think it's a need. It's not something I want to do. Like I, I think, and I know for me that intuitive eating, you know, and it's funny because I was listening to your, your, your discussion with Kim Howerton 
um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. And just when when the topic of intuitive eating came up, and I, I think you all kind of really nailed, you know, that it's not necessarily about intuitive eating, but about getting more in touch with like the the signals of your body. So right. my, my coach and I have started strategizing like, okay, so when we hit the kind of the end of your dieting, you know, how do we approach, you know, me discovering what, how life becomes sustainable for me? How do we start, how do I start to test out, you know, eating without worrying, um, mm-hmm. about tracking and all of those things. And it's not just going to be a, okay, you're done. Now move on with your life and figure it out. Like we're, we're, we're trying to put some strategy in place. So, that, because I'm also very much an analytical strategic person, I respond really well to that. I know a lot of people don't. Um, so I think for me, like having a plan of attack is something that gives me a little bit of security and, and lessens that fear sure. that I'll, I'll fall off of, of where I need to be. And, um, will I, it, it, it's funny cause I get this question all the time from people like, so they, someone will just randomly say something like, so you're never going to eat cake again in your life. You're never going <laughs> to eat a Reese's cup again in your life. And, and I, I really like to say that, um, there are probably going to be points where I'm going to eat cake again, where I'm going to have something again. Um, but I live, I have to mentally approach the day. Like I'm not going to do that unless it's something I'm really thinking about and an experience I'm planning for. Like I have to, I have to not let myself get caught off guard because I know what happens when I let myself get caught off guard. Right. It's really smart that you're, you're, you're sort of planning those things out in advance because they will happen. You know, they, they do things happen and it's how you get back on the horse that matters. Not right. Not that you fell off. And, and that's something like I've, I've had these fall off moments many times in my diet history. Like if we actually dove into my full diet history, I've done everything out there (laughs) under the sun, Weight Watchers deal. I was a big Richard Simmons deal a meal fan for a long time. (laughs) Um, I loved having a deck of cards to deal out when I was eating. Um, But I've never been able to come back from a, from a slip and on keto in 2017, it was fall. It was summer, fall of 2017. I had a slip and I, I fell for like three or four weeks. Um, and I put on over 30 pounds in that Mm -hmm. month Hmm. and I came back from it though. And as much as I was upset with myself for falling and all of that, I came back after a month. Mm Mm-hmm. That has literally never happened before. That's amazing. Um, but I wanted to get back to the way that I felt when I was eating a ketogenic diet. I wanted to feel that control again. I, I was able to, I was starting to build that mental sense of what it means to be out of control and what it means to be in control. Yeah. And that felt really important to me. So um, let's go back to identity. What are you doing to embrace your new identity as someone who doesn't weigh 480 pounds because you said that 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 was a that was a big crisis point for you was that you lost your identity so I'm assuming that with your coach you're also doing work on changing how you see yourself in terms of your identity so when you get to your your goal weight again that is who you are you don't have this huge sense of like, I don't know who I am anymore. And like, I'm not the big guy. And how, how do you planning to deal with that? What I'm realizing is that I, one of the thing that, that I wasn't doing before was having goals in my life that didn't involve food and weight loss. Hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm building new, I'm building new goals and new strategies for myself. Um, one of the things that I really find a lot of enjoyment in is is supporting other people. And that's where the reason why I, I started my podcast. Um, I, I feel like I have a unique voice to bring forward about the experiences of having been 500 pounds and 480 pounds and lost the weight more than once. And mm-hmm. um, so then reaching out to people that have been in similar circumstances and bring their voices forward. And I'm finding a lot of fulfillment. Um and becoming someone that advocates for, for people in those circumstances. So I, I see myself, you know, trying to define a little bit more about where, you know, that I can take this journey that I've been on for all these years, um, and turn it into a tool to help other people. Um, I, I get asked a lot about coaching. Um, it's something that I'm thinking about. It's not something I feel like I'm ready to do yet. Um, but there's that possibility there. Like, I, I need to find the right avenue, but I think I've 
I've identified that finding a way to help other people is is going to be a part of what I do going forward. Mike, do you cook? I do. Have you always, or is this new to you? I was I was a, a gourmet big guy. So you're a foodie like us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a severe foodie. Yeah. You know, it was. So when people talk about, you know, they just because I can go into like horror stories of what I used to eat at McDonald's and Burger King and those places. But I was the kind of person that would make chicken in a white wine sauce at home before and then go to McDonald's after. (laughs) Um, Like I I loved making curries with 75 different spices, you know, and ingredients. And well, I imagine you still cook, though. Just keto food. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I've tried to do this time around is like I and I find helped me adapt to this because I for a year and a half of, of more, more than a year and a half of, of my keto journey, I wasn't uh, working with a coach or tracking anything aside from net carbs. Um, I was intuitively eating everything. And uh, when I start entered this idea of, of tracking more tightly, um, I realized that the, the challenge became, you know, cooking had to become a little more measured and things along those lines. But so I, I, I started to see it as a game. Like, how can I make the best? You know, what is what are these what dishes can I fit into what I'm doing now? And how can I make this work? And how can I, I fit X, Y and Z carbs and, you know, all of that? This makes me so happy. Absolutely. I just I just find such joy in cooking and. You know, it's it, I also enjoy like those moments like I, I was chuckling, Carrie, listening to you talk about making keto ice cream for your friends that didn't know it was keto. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I, I like I like preparing things for people and having them try it and say, oh, wow, this is what you eat is diet food. Like this is you're losing weight eating this. And like it's, it's yes, almost yeah, not you know, fair. Right. <laughs> keto. Keto isn't all I mean. Though, to be fair, I am going to be having a bacon cheeseburger bowl for lunch today. Uh, but keto isn't all bacon cheeseburgers. Um, like, there's so much more to the food. And um, it's not necessarily so much about what you can and can't eat, but how you work in everything. And um, for me, I, I've almost found more that cooking keto becomes more about flavor mm-hmm. and finding new flavors and discovering. Like, I'm in love with Aleppo pepper and sumac now. I discovered that through someone else's blog. Nice. And I love finding ways to work those into dishes and you know, approach savory from new angles. And it's, it's, it's fun. And I, you know, Carl, Carl and I have, have talked about this before is actually when you restrict what ingredients you have, it actually makes you more creative. Oh, yeah. The less you have to work with, the more creative you become. And that for me is, is a lot of the love of creating recipes is like, because it's, it's, it, it, there's a lot of things we can't use, but instead of seeing that as a restrictive thing, it makes me super creative in making really delicious food out of what I can. Constraints liberate. I, I agree 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and an inspiration. Absolutely. And uh, I'm I'm just very happy that we got a chance to talk to you and, and you got a chance to talk to all our listeners. Thank you so much. Definitely. And we expect to see you at a mini fest here really soon. Now we know you're next door. Or at least a cup of coffee. Come on down. Definitely. That would be really awesome. I'd really, that would, that would be great. That would be In great. In fact, we might make you bring dessert one time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Sounds good, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both so much. It really was, was my pleasure to be able to talk to you today. Awesome. Wow, Mike. So inspiring. Oh my God. I saw I saw his photo and I was like, OMG, I have to talk to this guy. And I'm so glad we got him on. That was absolutely brilliant. What a guy. What a guy. All right, Carrie, you gonna you got something to share? Maybe a recipe. Maybe. Maybe I have a recipe. Uh, you got a recipe! <laughs> That's a bit <laughs> subdued and quiet, I, Carl. Alright, I'm sorry. Oh, if you can't have fun, what's the point? I do have a recipe, and it's called roast chicken casserole. Ooh, sounds good. And it's a magical recipe to have in your back pocket because you can eat it hot, you can eat it cold, you can eat it any time of the day, on the go, sitting at your kitchen table... 
You, it just, it fits all the things. So you don't have to worry anymore about what meal it is. This is good for it. Good. So, cool. And, and if you want, if you're thinking roast chicken casserole, what would that conjure up in your mind? Well, just think about a Ooh. chicken pot pie without yeah. the pastry and without the work. And this is what that tastes like. I'm thinking there's going to be mushrooms in there. There's going to be some cheese and some creamy sauce. Well, we're going to find some, out. Yeah. You can make it ahead of time and bake it when you need it, or mm-hmm. you can make it, bake it, chill it, and use it in your lunchbox. You can reheat it in the office microwave and enjoy it warm. It just fits all the bills all the time. Great. You can also make a huge dish of it, or you can use individual dishes or silicon muffin cups so that then you don't even have to cut it. Neat. So you can serve it on its own. You can serve it with a pile of exciting lettuce or your favorite salad. You can serve it hot with some steamed asparagus on the side. And of course- In a, a- house with a mouse, <laughs> in a box with a fox. <laughs> and and of course, with a big old blob of butter on the asparagus um, <laughs> or broccoli or whatever your favorite non-sagey vegetable happens to be. Great. You can also- Change the macros simply by changing the fat content in the dairy that you use. So wherever you are, you can tweak that to suit what you've got going on very, very easily without doing any math. Nice. Yay. Hey, you said math. math. You said math singular. (laughs) I know. Math, not maths. I know. I'm becoming American. You're becoming American. Which reminds me, I currently don't have a passport and I need to fix that. Oh. Anyway, so I'm here to stay, people. I cannot leave right now. (laughs) Okay, so here's what you're going to need for this magical roast chicken casserole. You're going to need whatever spray you like, coconut oil or avocado or avocado oil. You're going to need a pound or 450 grams of roasted chicken, which you have chopped into bite-sized pieces. So if you've got leftover from a roast chicken or you just want a roasted chicken to do this, or you can just go to somewhere like Trader Joe's and they will sell you a pound of ready roasted chicken. Or you can get a rotisserie chicken at your favorite grocery store for about six bucks. Super, super easy. And if you really have no time you can pick up some already pre-roasted chopped chicken yeah you're gonna need my favorite six ounces or 225 grams of leeks which you're gonna finely chop three ounces 55 grams of celery which you're gonna finely chop and then you're gonna need one and a half teaspoons of dried parsley one teaspoon of dried tarragon my favorite herb Mm. You're going to need a cup or eight fluid ounces of cottage cheese, eight eggs, and a quarter of a cup of grated Parmesan cheese. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to spray a four-pint or two-quart baking dish with your coconut oil avocado oil spray. In a bowl, you're going to mix the roasted chicken, the leeks, the celery, the parsley, the tarragon, and the cottage cheese together. You're going to spread the chicken mixture evenly in the baking dish or distribute, if you're doing the little individual ones, distribute Mm -hmm. it evenly among your dishes. In a separate bowl, you're going to whisk the eggs well, and then you're going to pour the eggs evenly over the chicken mixture. You're going to sprinkle the grated Parmesan evenly over the surface, and then you're going to carefully place the baking dish in the oven and bake at 375F for 40 minutes until the top is golden brown and a skewer poked into the middle comes out clean. Sounds delish. And that's it. So it's super tasty, super easy, and will fit every meal type that you need. Every meal situation, this is it. You could even make it in advance and take it on a road trip. There you go. Sounds great, Carrie. So there we go. Roast chicken casserole for the win. Woohoo! Well... Another great show down. And, uh, you know, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong or something you don't agree with, some more research you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it to us by email. Dudes at 2 dudes.com. 
And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at 2 Keto Dudes. Make sure you use the hashtag 2 Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. And if you pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, Two Keto Dudes Gold. We also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see all our podcasts and other videos, like the Keto Fest videos, on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Also, we have an Amazon affiliate store. Buy your favorite keto ingredients and devices by going to amazon.2keto.com, and you can help us out at the same time. We would love you to be involved in helping us build the most awesome keto community, and you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, because that's how a lot of new people get to know about our keto community. Plus, plan on attending Keto Fest in the fall of 2020, because the community that is built there is absolutely incredible. Just head to ketofest.com to get all the latest information. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Now listen up, kids. Keep calm. Keto on. You got it, Carl. Keep calm and keep to one. All right. We'll see you next time on Two, Two Keto, Keto Dudes. Dudes.